Hi, this is Ricardo, pastor of Journey Church Ventura. Thanks for taking the time to listen to our podcast. Hope you're having a great week. We hope it's life-giving and life-changing. Take care. I'm super excited about Starting Point. Um, It's going to be amazing. Uh, So what it is is simply this. It's going to be a class that is held during church. And if you are a person who's kind of kicking the tires of faith, you, you don't uh, quite understand what's going on with this whole Jesus thing, but you're curious. Uh, maybe you've been around for a while and you're, you're, you've, you've accepted Christ, but you want to take a few next steps. That's a, this is the great next step for you in your faith and walk with God. And we encourage you, we realize you'll, you'll miss church because it'll be going during this time, but it'll be the best eight weeks that you can spend in creating a foundation for you. And so right now, that's going to be our best time frame because if you have kids, the kids will be taken care of. You can go. And, and um, Frank will be, um, he's our, our uh, discipleship process guy. He's the guy that's helping us with all the, the, the processes of discipleship, and he's going to be leading that class. So um, for the next eight weeks, and this will start the, the Sunday after Easter. And so the, the beautiful thing about that is that all your friends who you bring to, to Christ on Easter Sunday can attend the following Sunday. You like how I said that? Put that in faith. Lots and lots of faith. Um, uh, Amazing. So it'll be a great time, and next week Frank will be up here and explaining a little bit more of his heart and passion for Starting Point. It'll be a great time. Um, I just want to encourage you, if you have a need, you have a financial need, please let us know. Anybody with a lanyard, you can say, hey, I have this need, this is how much it is, and we'll do our very best. We'll take whatever's here and, um, and make sure we meet that need, okay? So that, I realize it's hard to walk up here and take money, and that's okay. But um, it's available to you, and we will make it available to you uh, if you'd like to do a, a more anonymous approach to that. So feel free. There's guys in the back with lanyards, and they would love to help you out. And we will make this money available to anybody who has need. That's the beautiful thing of the church. That's, that's the very nature of the church is to be a, a community that shares in the needs of others. Amen? And uh, I'm very, very excited about that. Well, we're doing a series called Crush It. Crushing it. And uh, I hope you're crushing life. I hope you're, you're crushing it in life. I hope you're crushing it in your marriage. I hope you're crushing it in your dating experiences. I hope you're crushing it in all the things that you're doing in, in your life and what's going on. And, and uh, today, we're going to crush it in faith. We're going to crush faith. That's a good thing. We're going to destroy fear. We're going to destroy fear. Are you ready for life change? Are you ready to have your heart challenged and changed? Did you come because it's a religious thing to do, or did you come because you wanted to be more like Jesus today? Because we're all about being more like Jesus every Sunday. Amen? All right. We're going to destroy the fear in your life, and we're going to help you crush faith and, and, and enjoy experiencing faith to its fullest. Um, here's a saying I want you to, to remember is this, a clear understanding of God is the answer to crushing it in faith and destroying fear. When our God is all-powerful, omnipotent, all-knowing, omniscient, and ever-present, omnipresent, there is no need for fear and every reason to have faith. Amen. When we, when we get who God is, when we understand and we can grasp the concept that God is all-powerful, that he does know everything, that he is always present, 
then why be afraid? Why be afraid? Why have that fear in our lives? So what's fear? Let's talk about that just for a minute. There's all kinds of, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> going through puberty again. Um, there's all kinds of fear. There's the fear, that, thank you. There's, oh my goodness. There's fear of um, things. I, I told you guys before, I have this death fear of pit bulls and any man-eating dogs. Pretty much any man-eating animal gives me the chills, but um, especially man-eating dogs, I don't like those. Uh, excuse me. Um, and so that, that, that terror, that dread, like, oh, I, I don't know if you saw it on, on um, Instagram or Facebook, but I, I, did, I was out walking and doing my, my video for the church uh, for our 40 miles of prayer, and while I was doing that, there's a lady walking towards me with a pit bull. And I wanted to look at her and go, can you not see that I'm doing a video? And, and uh, I got all nervous. I dove into a, a driveway and started trespassing on somebody's property and uh, what, let the pit bull walk by. Unfortunately, it was a very peaceful experience. Um, but I got those, uh, that, that's dread. That's terror. That's fear. Unfortunately for me, it's an uncontrollable type of thing. There's the other fear that's respectful. Like, you, like everybody has a respect for a moving bus, right? I mean, I hope you do. I mean, you don't step out in front of it because you respect the fact that that bus is bigger than you, that it's going to cause severe damage to your uh, body, mental well-being, the whole thing, because if you do step out there, um, it's going to be a bad experience. I'm not a, a death-defying guy. I don't enjoy... Uh, jumping out of planes or off bridges or those kinds of things, no matter what's tied to my ankles or to my harness or anything like that, um, I'm, I don't enjoy that stuff. I'm a great swimmer because I don't like drowning. Um, <clears throat> I have a fear of drowning. I don't choose to be in water, um, those kinds of things, because I have these weird fears and, and claustrophobia and all those kinds of things. But um, we all have those fears. But here's the worst fear. The worst fear is the fear of doing something that you know God wants you to do, but you think that doing it is up to you. And you think that if you do it and it fails, that you fail. That's the worst fear of all because, and I believe it's the problem with the church today, is that we are not living in a context of faith, we're living in a context of fear. That the church today is more about the concern for itself and its success or failure than it is about being obedient to whatever God says to do. I think that's the tragedy of the church today. I think that's the tragedy of any of our lives who choose, and, and it's hard to say choose because fear is not something that we just overcome like that. It's not something that you just kind of go, oh, you know, yeah, it doesn't make any sense to, to do what God's calling me to do, but I'm going to go do it anyway. No, I think there's some anxiety with that. I think there's some trepidation, if you will. I think there's some fear that goes along with that. But at the same time, if we have our perspective of God right, then there's no need for fear. And that's what I think is really powerful. There's a passage in, in Luke chapter uh, 12, verse 4. It says this, 
It says, I tell you, my friends, do not be afraid. That word afraid is, afraid is the same word we use for phobia. It's phobio. Of those who kill the body and after that can do no more. Isn't that interesting? He's telling his disciples, don't be afraid of people who can kill you. Don't be afraid of pit bulls. Don't be afraid of Roman soldiers. Don't be afraid of uh, Nero who's cutting off the heads of people. Don't, don't be afraid of that. But I will show you whom you should fear. And it's the same word. It's the same phobia. Who you should have dread or terror towards. Uh, fear him who, after your body has been killed, has authority to throw you into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. So there's a healthy fear right there, right? It's like the fear of the bus. We should fear God when we are confronted with the reality that when we die, there's still something that's going to happen. There's still something. We're going up or we're going down. It's going to get cooler or it's going to get warmer. Okay? It's heaven or hell. There is two realities, and I don't want to face this reality. I want to go to that reality. Amen? And now we shouldn't just respond to God out of that fear, but we should realize that fear. We should become aware of the reality that there is a God who will someday say, you didn't accept my son, you didn't accept his forgiveness. And I, I would imagine it would break God's heart because he loves every one of us. But he would have to make the just choice and separate the sheep from the goats and, and separate those who believed and those who have not. I can't imagine that. I, it's hard for me to grasp. I'll be honest with you. It, it's one of those questions of God that I, I hope I understand someday, but it's unimaginable to understand how that can happen, but it is going to happen. We have to deal with the rear, real reality that God is in control. That God is in control of our souls, that God is in control of our well-being, that God is in control of our future, that God is in control of our eternity. And if we don't realize that, then we will be in trouble. So we should have a healthy fear of who God is. We should have a healthy fear. I, like, I, I tell people I, I, don't like, um, I, I don't have a problem with heights, and I don't have a problem with the fall. It's the landing that I fear. You know, again, you know, just don't jump off of things just because there's a landing that's going to happen and it scares me. And I don't even mind if the landing is quick and simple and takes me out, but it's the landing and not dying that really worries me. So there's a fear. Let me ask you this question. What, what do you know, and, and this is going to dig right deep, right, right from the beginning. What do you know you should be doing, but you're not doing it because you fear? Just don't, you don't have to raise your hands or say anything, but um, what do you know you should be doing that God has called you to do, but you're not doing it because you're frozen in fear? 2 Timothy 1, 6 and 7 says this, For this reason I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God. The gift of God is those things that God has given you and me individually to bless others. 
For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. So the gift of God, the calling of God, the purpose of God was given to Timothy by Paul, who's writing this letter to Timothy. And he's saying, fan into flame the very thing that God has called you to do. For the spirit, of, the spirit God gave us did, does not make us timid or fearful, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. This whole idea of timidity is the idea of being uh, a fearful or coward-like. And isn't it true that when we are given a command, that if we don't obey that command and we fear the, the result of the command or we fear that we don't have the ability to do the command that we stop whatever's supposed to happen right there. We stop the very thing that God wants to do because he can't do it unless action takes place. And we'll deal with that in just a minute. But if fear is freezing us up, then fear is going to keep us, you and me, and the church from doing what it is unbelievable potential can be. But we're frozen. We, get, we, we feel like it's, oh, it's up to me. Oh, and then we get coward-like and we go, oh, I can't do it. I can't do it. We shy away from that responsibility. But the Bible says here, for the Spirit of God gave us, uh, <clears throat> the Spirit, for the Spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. Those words are really powerful. The whole power, the, the idea of power is dynamite, dunamis. It's this power that comes out of us that is unbelievable. We're made to be powerful. We're made to love. The word love here is agape, which means unconditional love in power. Can you imagine loving in power? And then we have a sound mind. Now that's questionable for many of us. I was telling somebody earlier that I got ran over by a cow one time. I was tagging this calf and giving this calf a shot. And I had the calf on my lap and the cow came running at me. And uh, when I gave the shot to the calf, quite often they don't beller, but this calf bellered, went, and, and all of a sudden, mama cow was like, oh no, <laughs> you're not doing that to my baby. And the cow came running at me. I ducked like this, and the cow and I went head to head. And uh, the person I was talking to said, well, that explains a lot. <laughs> We have a sound mind. We're made wise. So we have power and we have love and we have a sound mind. But if fear is taking over, all of those things are negated. All of those things stop. And for that reason, many of us are stuck in these, in these lives where there's so much potential. There's so many things God wants to do. There's so many things he wants to push us into and move us into. If I'm being real with you guys, even suggesting this idea right here was a little fearful to me. Not because I doubted you, but I doubted my mind. I was like, is this an idea from God or is this just Ricardo enjoying the donut that he had earlier, you know? <laughs> I mean, and, and we go through those moments, right? And we freeze up and we stop and we, we don't do what God wants us to do because we think that it's up to us, that it's our power, it's our love, it's our uh, mind that needs to work when God is the one who's given us all of those things. 
And it's up to him. So my encouragement this morning is to simply do this. Is, is, and, and what I believe about this message, for all of us, myself included, is that if we will learn to live in the context of faith, we will have the most satisfying, pleasurable, complicated, crazy life that you could ever imagine. Because when we live in faith, we're living in complete and open, unabashed dependence upon God. Faith is taking logic out of the picture. And I'm not saying God isn't logical, but I am saying that faith means that we are doing things that depend on a God power, not a human power. Faith puts us in a context that says, I'm going to trust God to do something I don't understand, but I believe that God is going to do it because God is all-powerful, all-knowing, ever-present. And therefore, anything's capable. Anything's possible. Nothing is impossible with God. So what is faith? Let's put, we understand what fear is, right? It's, a, it's this dread, it's this terror, it's this thing that freezes us up. It, it keeps us from moving forward. But faith is defined in Hebrews chapter 11. It's the famous faith verse, if you will, um, <clears throat> for Christianity. If you're new to Christianity, uh, Hebrews chapter 11 is, a, is, is called the the, the, the hero's chapter, the faith hero's chapter, and it describes person who acted in faith over and over and over again. It starts with this one passage that defines faith, what it is. Now, faith is confidence in what we hope for, in, in what we hope for, and assurance about what we do not see. And this, this first verse is really powerful. Now, faith the, the Greek word, and I don't always throw out Greek words, but I think this one's kind of fun. Now, faith, is the Greek word is pistis. So if you ever want to pistis off the enemy, <laughs> is that okay to say? <laughs> You're faithing off the enemy. You know, I'm, I'm going to pistis off the devil today. I'm going to faith the devil today. Now, faith is confidence. It's the stability. It's the foundation. What's the foundation? What is the thing that you need to know about faith that helps you act in faith? It's the knowledge of God. It's the understanding that God is all-powerful, all-knowing, and ever-present. If you have just those three things, you have enough foundation to act in whatever way God tells you to act because you know that he can't, you can't go wrong obeying his command. Now, faith is confidence, the foundation, in what we hope. That means that there's something uh, really cool coming in the future. There's a hope. There's a, a future. And so whatever God wants you to do, um, you know that there is hope. Now, that hope is in salvation. It's not in the result of your action. Because if that were the case, and we did a study of all the disciples, all of them died a martyr's death but one. So I can't promise you that when you act in faith, it's all going to go, woohoo. I can't say that because there's a world out there and there's, there's an enemy for sure that hates the fact that you are being challenged to act in, on God's behalf in faith. And he's going to do everything he can to destroy your faith by creating fear. And if he can do that, he'll freeze up the purpose, the plan, the direction that God wants us all to go in. Now, faith is confidence, the foundation in what we hope for, a better future, and assurance, the proof 
about what we do not see. That proof is in the pudding. The proof is in the actions that, that the, the results of the actions that come with acting in faith. And so it says this, this is what the ancients were commended for. And then the whole chapter goes on to talk about all these heroes of faith uh, throughout scripture. By faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. By faith, we believe that God was the creator of the universe. And we realize there's evolution that uh, people believe. it. I believe it takes as much or more faith to believe in evolution than it does in God. If you look at the, just the design of, of humanity, our bodies, and you look at that and you think, how did that come out of some primor primordial goo? I kind of look at the evolutionists and go, that's crazy thinking. But it still takes faith to believe that there's a God out there that spoke it into existence. That's pretty crazy too, right? But design versus delusion, it's... It's, it's a little hard to line up with. Verse 4 says, By faith Abel brought God a better offering than Cain did. By faith he was commended as righteous when God spoke well of his offerings. And by faith Abel still speaks even though he's dead. Abel was the first son of um, Adam and Eve. And, and Cain was the son as well. And Abel brought an offering to God, and Cain brought an offering to God, and Abel brought the best of his offering, the, the, the first fruits of his uh, uh, work, and then Cain, uh, what we can assume is that he brought the leftovers. And you never want to do that with God, because the acceptable offering is the first fruits. The acceptable offering is the, is the best of what we have, not the leftovers. And that's why I think it's really good, quite often, at least a good practice to write that first check or, or make that first uh, contribution in your tithing or in your time. Does God get the best of you or does he get the leftovers from you? Does, you know, what, what does he get in, in your talents? Are you using your talents for God? Those kinds of things. Those are great opportunities to understand that when we come to God, we bring to God in faith all that we have and all that we are. And he uses it for his glory. And then all of a sudden, great things happen. Great things happen. Why? Because we pissed us off the enemy. We used faith. We had confidence in the foundation. We had trust and hope in the, in the result. And we had assurance that God would come through. He fulfills his promises. Hebrews 11.1 1 is all about what we know about God. Here's what I want to challenge you to do, and we're not going to deal with it today, but we have to get to know God. And when you know him personally, it's a lot easier to obey him. It's a lot easier to have faith in him. It's a lot easier to continue to walk in the way he wants us to walk. One of the reasons we don't see miracles as much today is because we're living in fear. And fear has kept us still and kept us not moving forward, kept us not doing the things that God wants us to do. Why? Why do we do that? Because of a lack of knowledge. We don't know God well enough to go, oh, okay, I believe in him and I trust him. The other is the lack of obedience. Some of us are just being rebellious. Some of us are either doing things or not doing things, mostly not doing things because we are 
disobedient. We know what to do. And we either are fearful because we don't know God well enough or we're rebellious and say, I'm going to do my own thing. I'm going to take care of my own needs. I'm going to go my own way. Not good. Not good. So we understand what fear is. We understand what faith is. It's that, it's that confidence that God has a better future for us and he's going to prove himself as we're obedient. That's what faith is. And when we do that, we must do it with actions. It's not good enough to just know that. James chapter 2, verse 14 says this, What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save them? Now, let's make one thing really clear right up front. Deeds, works, do not save you. But works are a revelation of who has saved you. Does that make sense? Let me say that one more time. Works do not save you. None of us can earn our way to heaven. That's a free gift from the cross and the resurrection. But out of that salvation should come deeds. Out of that salvation, out of that knowing who God is, comes works and deeds that reveal who we believe in. And so what does that statement say? Can such faith save them? That means if you don't have deeds that follow your salvation, really? Are you saved? And it's okay to ask that question. It's, it's, it's okay to, to say, really, is there something? What's, what's keeping you from expressing your love to God? What's keeping you from believing in the almighty, all-powerful, ever-knowing, ever-present God? What's, what's holding you back? And most often it's fear. Then he illustrates this passage in verse 15. He says, so suppose a brother or, or a sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and, and well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? What good is it? Many of you expressed your faith today by saying, I'm going to help somebody. Let's share our well-being with someone who's hurting. I love it. This is the nature of the church. It's everything the church is. My daughter and I were just crying because we're, we're seeing the church alive, not dead. This is the evidence of a live, a living church, not a dead one. In the same way, verse 17, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. Verse 18, but someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by my deeds. In, in other words, uh, you can talk all you want, but let's see where your actions are. Are you walking the walk? Are you walking the talk, or are you just talking? Are you just trash talking, or are you just, are you, let me see your stuff. There was a video online, uh, <clears throat> basketball team playing another basketball team and this one basketball team is just yeah you guys you do you know and they think they're all that and then this other basketball team just quietly walks out on the court and just obliterates them it was very pleasing pleasing to see <laughs> show me your faith without deeds and i will show you my faith by my deeds you believe there is one god good even demons believe that and shudder isn't that interesting the demons even believe God. 
in God. You foolish person, do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? And then he gives an illustration that shows that it's not useless. He says, was not our father, and this is really interesting because Leanna shared this very story earlier, so I won't completely rehearse the story, but was not our father Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see that his faith and his actions were working together, and his faith was made complete by what he did. And the scripture was fulfilled that says Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness and he was called God's friend. You see that a person is considered righteous by what they do, not by faith alone. Our righteousness is always played out in our actions, not just in our words. You guys, I believe this with all my heart, that this is a life-changing moment for all of us. That if we will understand that God wants us to take steps of faith, that he wants us to live in a context of constant dependence on him. And when we are putting ourselves in our dependence on him, then we get to see the miracles. Then we get to see the crazy stuff. Then we get to see the things that God can do that we can't do. Why? Because we're walking in faith, doing things that we can't imagine ourselves doing that's exciting that's fun that's that's crazy stuff and i know there's some people in the room they're like that doesn't sound fun at all i like my comfort zone i like knowing what's going to happen tomorrow i like knowing how this is all going to work out i like the idea that all i'm just trying to do is go to heaven that's all i'm really doing that's not where God wants us to stay. He wants us to live constantly and dependently on him. And when we do, we get to see amazing things happen. My life was a, a series of fear moments. I became a Christian. I was called into the ministry relatively soon. And then I moved to a farm, lived on a farm for uh, two and a half, three years, and then went to Bible college. And went to Bible college, got my degree, and then went into youth ministry and went at this place where I was a youth pastor. Um, I was there for five years, and then there was a kind of a, a challenge in the church. The church uh, split, and they needed a new pastor. And so I was like, I didn't want to leave. I didn't want to leave my comfort zone. So I said, I'll be the pastor. And I had a, a very loving board member look at me and go, Ricardo, no. And these people love me. I love them. They, you know, I, all the seniors in the church loved me because I'd go into their class and eat their donuts every morning on Sundays. And we hung out and we talked and I loved on them and all that stuff. And I thought, man, this is just a, a this, this is hand in glove. And, and the board member said, no. God's moving you on. I'm like, I, I didn't hear that from the Lord. And he said, this is the Lord speaking to you. Whatever. <laughs> and so I, I was forced, not, not in faith, I, I had to look for another role in ministry. I, and, and I found one, and we went to be youth pastors at this next church. And uh, this, six months later, the pastor had a moral failure. And um, then I became the lead pastor of that church. 
And 13 years later, many years during that time, Karen is saying, hey, I feel like, you know, we need to make a change. There's something that God wants to do. And, and I'm like, no, no, no. Most often, I'll tell you this, I did feel a call to that place, but most often it was, I don't have any confidence in making a change without knowing what that change is going to look like, exactly what I'm going to do. And the result was, I burn out. And I crashed and burned. And I made a change, not in faith, but in fear. And that fear hurt me. Through that burnout experience, I saw God move like never before. And I saw God move me in directions that he wanted to move me all along. But I was stubborn. I was fearful. I was not wanting to do it because I didn't understand. I didn't know. And I didn't really have this best concept of God, even though I was pastoring and preaching and God is great and all this stuff. And I finally got moved on, went into the corporate world, got trained in the corporate world, and then went to a, a, a big church and became the executive pastor. And all that education in the corporate world was great for my, my pastoring experience. And then there was this moment where my father-in-law had Alzheimer's. And my wife and I looked at each other and said, it's time to move, isn't it? God's calling us. Didn't make any sense because we were in a very com comfortable place. We were in a great place of leadership. We had all kinds of influence. We had all kinds of good things going on. We owned our own home, all that stuff. And he said, I want you to move to Ventura to take care of your father-in-law. So we quit. They had no idea what we were going to do here, what I was going to do here. And it, trust me, it's been an adventure, to say the least, to be here, to be on this stage today. Is an absolutely humbling experience. It's absolutely one that I'm in in faith, not in fear. And it's one that I believe God has directed uniquely and crazily through many different ways and steps. Sometimes with me going, I don't know, jumping off the bridge, hoping the bungee cord is holding on to my ankles. But I believe with all my heart that living in faith is far better than living in fear. And I've seen his hand move over and over and over again. And we are living in faith today. And I love being in a church that's living in faith. I love being in a church that's expressing its faith and trusting God. I love this whole thing because I am confident. I have this foundation of who God is and what he wants to do. And I'm confident he is a God who will complete the work. If you are living in fear today, will you be encouraged to just step up and say, God, I trust you. Take a step, remove that fear. God is all-powerful, he's all-knowing, and he's ever-present. And if you will hang on to those three things about who he is, you will not be disappointed. You will not be disappointed. Today, today, let's, let, let it be said that Journey Church took a step towards God in faith. That all of us, in all of our lives, no matter what it is, took a step to believe that God is who he says he is. Amen? Amen. Let me pray with you. Father, I believe today 
that you are opening the doors of miracles. You're opening the doors of power. You're opening the doors of an agape love that we have not experienced or some have not experienced for years. You're opening up the doors of even sound mind, just health and wholeness in our lives because we are no longer dependent upon ourselves and the anxiety that that brings, but we are dependent on you and that frees us up and gives us peace that passes understanding. It gives us confidence that you are in control. It gives us a, a, a confidence that they're, the results of what you're asking us to do is not up to us, but it's up to you. You're just asking for obedient vessels. Lord, I pray for the person that's frozen in fear, in that calling you've set their lives towards and they're afraid to pursue it. I pray for that person that's uh, fearful in their finances. I pray for that person who's fearful in loving their spouse. I pray for that person who's fearful in giving up that, that uh, uh, comfort food or that, that drug or that, that addiction that they have in their lives. I pray in the name of Jesus that you allow them to take steps away from the fear, uh, the fear and, and take steps towards faith. Lord, in the name of Jesus, I pray that you set people free from their fear. We pray that you destroy fear and that we would crush, our, crush it in faith in the name of Jesus. May we see victory. May we see wins. May we see lives changed and transformed. God, I believe that today is a day of stepping forward in faith. And I pray, Father, for those lives right now in the name of Jesus. For anybody who's experiencing fear, with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, I just simply want to have some kind of an affirmation that God is speaking. If he's speaking to you today and you're wanting to be released from your fear, would you just raise your hand and say, Pastor, please pray for me. This message is speaking to me. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Yeah. Yeah, God, I pray for each hand that's been raised, that in the name of Jesus, you would affirm their faith, that you would affirm, Lord, that you are present, that you are powerful, that you know exactly what you want to do in their lives and help them to take those steps forward in faith. Lord, we, we won't see the result. We won't know how it's going to work out, but you are going to do it, and we trust you to do it. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. And I thank you and I praise you for it. And we give you all the glory. All the glory. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. If you're here today and you have yet to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, whether you're online or on site, we just want to encourage you today to say this simple prayer. Jesus is calling your name. And you can put your faith in the simple fact that he died for you on the cross, that he rose for you again three days later, and that today he promises you eternal life and forgiveness of all your sins. And if that's you and you want to pray this prayer, just this simple prayer, dear Jesus, please forgive me of my sin. I recognize that I am a sinner and I need your forgiveness. And I, in faith, receive your forgiveness in my life. And I receive that grace that you're giving me, that undeserved favor. And I believe that you were raised from the dead. And today I, I have the promise of eternal life. And I thank you for that, God. And I accept you as my Lord and Savior, and I commit to follow you for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name I pray. Thank you for giving us the opportunity to join your journey. And I hope the message made a big difference in your life. And if it did, we just encourage you to go to journeychurchventura.com and let us know. Also, be free to share this message with your friends and family. We just love to impact as many people as we can. Once again, thank you. 
for joining us at Journey Church Ventura.